0: Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B podcast. We are recording. It's finally November, Ed. We got a lot to talk about. What's going on?
1: What's up, player? You know how it goes in November. These artists start finally coming out of the woodwork. We've been saying all year, nobody's dropping new music. They wait till November so they can get your Black Friday and Christmas coins. They coming for your pockets, player. We got some new stuff this week.
0: Yep, and uh, Tom won't be joining us on the podcast. I think he's out at, like, Circuit City or Best Buy trying to collect all the Brian McKnight CDs out there. So, uh, Tom, we (laughs) miss (laughs) you.
1: If that is at Circuit City, he's going to be out there for a long time searching through the rubble.
0: (laughs) Uh, But no, Tom won't be joining us. I think he's, like, getting baby photos done or something like that. I think he's due in January. So, uh, he won't be joining us, but, Ed, you've got us covered, right?
1: Listen, I've got you covered. My man's out there being a dad and not getting on my nerves. So that's a win for both of us. There you go. But I want to first
0: start off the podcast, Ed. Um, I know mean, we always talk about food, so this is nothing new. But, Ed, I got to admit it, I owe you some Popeyes. You owe me Popeyes. Why is that? Well, you know how I made some crazy bets? A couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, if Mariah had a number one single by the time her album came out, or even from this era, you would buy me Popeyes, well, doesn't look like she's going to get a number one
1: single this time around. Doesn't look like it. However, the woman did get some wins this week. I'll give her that.
0: She sure did. Let's uh, start off by talking about this Caution album that came out on Friday. Um, Ed, I actually really like this album.
1: And so did I. I mean, you hit me up um, probably sometime late last week, and you were kind of like, oh, talking about the Timberland tracks and some other things. And I will be honest, I was skeptical. And I was skeptical because, as we've talked about in Chronicle here on the podcast, she's had three or four singles out already. And most of the songs that leaked were either okay or I just weren't feeling at all. I did like the one single, A No-No. That one I like. Everything else was just okay. But I was pleasantly surprised by this album. It's a very tight, well-done, cohesive work. And most of all, unlike a lot of artists we've been talking about this year, it feels like a classic Mariah album. But it doesn't feel old and dusty and like something from 1991. It sounds like Mariah, but it's fresh and current. And in my opinion, it's the best thing she's put out in at least 10 years.
0: I mean, I would agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I did like the Memoirs album. I know you're not a fan of that one. But, um, you know, you tweeted the, the album review out that you wrote up and uh, stands were coming for you, even though you gave it a four out of five.
1: <laughs> let me tell you about the stands. the lambs they do what they do player I'm like as long as you retweet it you can curse my mama I don't care just retweet it but yeah player let's be honest and you know your boy is honest if I was honest last week in the, or the last podcast about my man Keith and not being my favorite album that he's put out and in fact putting out some of the worst songs I've ever heard from him you know I'm going to be honest about MC and the honest fact is She's been she's not terrible, but some of her work in the past 10 years has been quite inconsistent. Some of her live performances have been downright laughable. And that them's the facts. That's your girl, whether or not. Them's the facts. So, I was just pleasantly surprised because I'm here for the music and not the memes and laughs. And what we got was a very solid album. Was it perfect? Lord, no. But what we got was some of her best working years.
0: Yeah, I mean, two points i want to make ed number one the song with slick rick give me life dude that song i mean i tweeted and said it was like on the level of the roof i i'm gonna scale that back because that was a little bit of an exaggeration but that yes it was i haven't heard a
1: great mariah song like that in years that's what i love about this project player you got a song like that you know, I talked about how I like a no no. I love the Timberland produced song, Eighth Grade. There's just lots of little gems hidden in here that some of the best stuff I've heard from her in a long time. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm a Mariah Stan, so I'm going to pretend everything she does is flawless. And if you don't get that, then you suck. So, just as a critic and a fan of her music from 1991 or 2 I'm not talking about somebody that came in the game, the Mimi era. I'm talking about. The Music Box, Mariah, Vision of Love era. I've been through the whole roller coaster. And some of this stuff, that ballad portrait, that reminds me of vintage Mariah. It really feels like a complete look at her career going way back then. And again, it measures up to even some of her best stuff. That's why I love it. Love that Slick Rick joint. And shout out to
0: Ty Dolla Sign for continuing the streak of appearing on R&B albums. I think he's been on every single album this year. So shout outs to Ty.
1: Uh, if we must. He didn't ruin the song, so I'll give him props for that. That's as much as I'll give him. He didn't ruin something this time.
0: And I've noticed Ty Dolla Sign likes to use the KC, the ooh yeah,
1: on a lot of his songs. So he might be like the <laughs> next member just... of <laughs> Um, First of all, wash your mouth out with Stoke. How dare you? Secondly, yes, he does love his ooh yeah. Yep. Um, And then with the album, the one thing I will say though, Ed,
0: because I've seen some complaints about it, is that they didn't feel like Mariah was singing, singing on the album. But I felt like with the production in place, she didn't necessarily have to do that. I mean, a lot of Mariah fans, they want to hear that that voice. But I mean, realistically, at this point in her career, she did what she could. And I can't be mad at that. It would be better that she did this than if she tried to force something else that just wasn't there
1: that's the thing player it's all about knowing what you can do like we didn't hear any of the crazy octaves on this album and that's cool because what we heard was good that you know my argument with your girl ashanti and some especially some newer artists not just her is they overextend their range like do what you do and do it well everybody can't be whitney so don't try because if you do I'm going to crack on you when I do your review. So no, just stay in your lane and then things will work out fine. So no, we didn't hear the crazy notes of the past, but she did what she did and she did it so well. Yeah. And
0: shout outs to Gunna. He's a, he's appeared on two of my favorite artists projects this year. So he was on the Usher album and now he's on the Mariah one. So he's an artist to look
1: out for, right, Ed? Every time I look out for him, I deduct a star from my album review. So, yeah, I'm looking for him.
0: (laughs) Come on. Uh, But, Ed, it's really cool because along with this album, uh, which will probably do fairly well on the charts, she was actually number one on iTunes last week with Glitter. You know, that album came out in like 2001. Not exactly critically acclaimed, although I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. But that was number one. They had this whole justice for Mariah uh justice for glitter actually movement that the lambs started and um
1: yeah number one on itunes that's that's kind of cool Claire, that's the weirdest thing i've ever seen even mariah seemed confused when i saw the initial tweet from her she's kind of like i don't know what's going on but justice for glitter and everybody started hyping up glitter and pretending that glitter was this great album claire gorilla was not great it wasn't a travesty the movie that's another discussion but it is probably my least favorite Mariah album. It's not horrific, but it's not great. Anyway, I don't know where this surge of sales came from, but I will tell you this. I hope you lambs keep the same energy for this Caution album because while you're putting in all your coins for that, you better save some for this new one so you can keep her career up and vibrant. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> can we uh, can we
0: give some justice for some of your other, uh, you know, albums that came out that people don't really know about. I know you love that 702 debut. Do we need a Justice for that 702 debut album, Ed?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Justice for 702's No Doubt album. Justice for No Doubt.
0: Man. Um, And then the last thing I'll say about this whole Mariah release and just this whole movement that's going on, she's received so much positive press this time around because normally during album release time, performance, and tour time, she's getting killed by the media. So I mean, I got to give a shout out to Mariah's team for kind of rebranding her in, in a way to where people just look at her as a legend, as she should be. I mean, she just got nominated for uh, the Songwriters Hall of Fame as well. So, I think it's time that we give
1: her some props. Well, see, here's the thing, player. And here comes rant time. If you got beef with it, the lambs know where to find me. It's ET Bowser on Twitter. Listen. It kind of goes back to this, and you're in Canada, so thankfully you don't have to deal with this. But this whole ridiculous fake news, the media is evil movement. And the the narrative has been, oh, the media is so against Mariah, they're so unfair, they're so this and that. No, most of the time, in this case, the media was telling the truth. She has some terrible live performances. She has some mediocre albums. She has some sloppy singles. And this time, we get good music. We get good performances. We get viable stuff that proves that she's a legend. player. you don't get no props from me because of what you did back in the day. You get props on what you have done in the present. And this album proves that her legacy is strong. So that's why I think you're seeing so much positive stuff. Not just because, I mean, of course, you got some weirdos that's jumping on the train. But she has put out some of the best work that and and we've seen from her in years. She seems vibrant, she seems happy, she seems focused, and I think that's being rewarded with the critics. But in the past, they were hard on her because she was putting out some old bull. So, you stay off the bull, you stay off my bad list. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So,
0: along with Mariah, Ed, Sade, your girl Sade dropped a new single. Song is off the yeah. widow's film, The Big Unknown. I think you heard it while you were watching the film.
1: But yeah, we were talking about this before um, we hit record, and it was weird because we watched um, *Widows*. I went with my wife; she was very excited for this movie, so we saw it last night. And the movie is awesome, by the way. Um, there been few movies that I sat in where the crowd was freaking out like they were. Can't no spoilers, but y'all got to see it and make sure you don't read the spoilers first, because that movie is wild. But when the credits roll started playing this Sade song. I was like, I don't know this song. Is this new? Is this like some album cut that I don't remember? But it's Sade. Sade never disappoints. And from what I heard, you know, as I was like gathering up my popcorn and junk as I was leaving the theater, I really liked what I heard. So I need to go and check out the full version. But if you haven't heard it, go check out The Big Unknown.
0: Yep. Yep. And Ed Brandy is back with a new single as well off the star... You know, the TV show that's going on, All I Need. I know you really like the song. Ed, I'll be honest with you. Those songs that come out of Empire, that come out of Star, that come out of Power, I don't really have a lot of faith in those songs. And I think they're just, like, B material. But this one was all right.
1: Yeah, most of those songs that come out, especially on Empire, um, I'm, like, seasons behind on Power. And Star, I couldn't get through but one episode of that show. Ugh. But... Most of the songs that come out are just kind of generic poppy songs. I always call them the American Idol songs because they sound like joints that dudes on American Idol would randomly sing. But this song sounds like a branded song. It's the kind of song that I really want from her, from her at this point in her career because it sounds very mature, takes great advantage of her voice which is still top notch. It's very good. And again, if this is the type of material that we hear from her whenever we get her next body of work i'm down for it because this one was a keeper
0: yeah and it's crazy it's actually been six years since the release of her last album 211 and normally she you know she takes that four-year hiatus and i think back in the day i really felt that four years like it was a long period but six years have flown by and like i don't even notice it is it just us growing up or is it just there's so much music that we forget like
1: what's going on here is it, It's actually both. It's us growing up and getting just like sidetracked by other things that's going on in life with careers and girlfriends and Tom's having babies. Well, he's not having babies, but his wife is. And that's going on. And then the second thing is I've been talking about earlier over on the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook. Go join that if you haven't caught up there. Is music. We're just getting so many album releases at one time. I feel like every Friday, there's like four or five new releases. And we're getting bombarded constantly with so much new music that we're distracted. And it's not the gaps that we're used to seeing. Of course, the downfall of that is I feel like music doesn't have time to stick and resonate with us like they used to. So it's easy. Like, you have to drop something incredible for it to really sit on our consciousness because there's so much it's easy for it to be disposable. But Not surprised, really, that we've kind of... I wouldn't say we've forgotten about Brandy, because we'll never forget about her. But it's easier for her not to be at top of mind when there's just so much other stuff going on. Yep.
0: Shout-outs to Brandy. We're expecting that new new album soon. I know she's been in the lab with uh, DJ Camper, so that should be exciting. Um, Ed, I've got some new music news to announce to you and the people. 112, or at least half of it, Mike and Slim are set to release a new album called Tonight. Um, It's going to be kind of weird without Duran and and Q in the mix. Are you
1: excited about this at all, Ed? Uh, I want to be. You know, I'm kind of... I christen myself a 112 stan. Are they even calling themselves 112? Or do they have some goofy name like 11 or something? (laughs) I'm not sure. It's... uh, Like, it's... I want it to sound like a 112 project. Who knows what it'll sound like? I'm always excited With new music from any of the four guys, so I'll be checking it out. Not sure. I would say I'm excited, though. I guess curious is a better word.
0: Well, at least one group is still putting out music because TGT Tyrese, Genuine, and Tank. Ed, I know you really like them. We Mm -hmm. all thought Three Kings was the greatest R&B album of all time.
1: I don't know who we is, but go
0: ahead. (laughs) Well, most recently, Tank randomly for some I guess he was reflecting he was sad that uh, he let R&B down with the breakup of TGT and he felt like they were supposed to bring R&B back, save it, open up the budgets for R&B acts on major labels, just bring the love and the interest back into the genre. They broke up after I guess one album and he takes blame for that. And then your boy Tyrese comes in And says, you know what? Let's quit all the beef. And let's go on tour. I'm ready to do this. And then Genuine comes in and says, nope. So, (laughs) first of all, who decided that TGT was going to be the one to save R&B? I think that was self-proclaimed.
1: I can guarantee you that was self-proclaimed. Because I don't remember ever saying that. If somebody got that, bring me the receipts. Because I never remember saying that one.
0: (laughs) But realistically, would you even want to see another TGT reunion or project?
1: I wouldn't say that I'm against it, but please, I'm not sitting around holding my breath for it, nor am I losing any sleep over it. The TGT project, I feel like they hyped up so much that there's no way it could have met expectations. What we got was fine. It was solid. i still play a couple songs from it, but... They just hyped it up so much because in their head, and I understand it, because hip hop, well not hip hop, R&B was at a point where there was kind of a vacuum. There was no clear leader. So here you got three veterans proven artists that have done their thing in the past. We're gonna step up and we're gonna do it. And then they tried it and even they couldn't do it because the landscape is different. And then they imploded and fighting and backbiting and genuine, probably is the smartest one of the bunch is like I ain't here for y'all bickering. I'm out. So I can't blame them for that. But I would like to hear new music from them if they all got on that same page. Because we're talking about three talented artists who with, with a proven track record. If we're going to get a whole bunch of win-wees and stuff, you can keep that. So I can save my hard drive from sending it to the recycle bin. Keep that to yourself. But if they want to come together and really, truly, quote-unquote, save R&B... I ain't mad at it. Do what you do. But your boy ain't here over here losing sleep. Trust.
0: I'm not going to lie, Ed. I'm kind of afraid every time Tank puts out a new record. First we had When We, which, you know, it it grew on me in the end, but it's not really really what I want to hear from Tank. And then, of course, we have the record with him, Teddy Riley, and Case, which it didn't even sound like Tank on the song. (laughs) <laughs> and then we, I want, I, I, have to remind you on this, Ed, he was on a song with Teddy Riley and your boy Keith Sweat, Eenie Meenie Miney Mo." so Tank's track record, pretty much ever since Sex, Love, and Pain, it's been a little shaky, so I don't know if, I, I don't really need it, I don't need another TGT album.
1: <laughs> First of all, let's get it straight, the song that he was on was not Eenie Meenie Miney Mo" because that song was horrific,
0: although oh, right, the song he right, was on right. wasn't that great.
1: Who's your but secondly, you know? <laughs> yes, it was the second worst song. It wasn't the worst song, so Tank upgraded it from the bottom. But my point is this. I'm like you. I'm a little paranoid about anytime I see featuring Tank at this point or even a Tank track solo because of what we've seen. But again, it's weird because we're in this abusive relationship with these R&B artists player. It's just like being an abusive wife because you remember the good times. You remember when it was cool, you remember when you got all the good happy times, but then we got to deal with a BS, and then just like, huh, I know I'm being abused, but maybe tomorrow it'll be better, and it's never better. Nope, it isn't.
0: <laughs> um, I've got some more uh, stuff for you to rant about, Ed, before we get into you know your boys to Men discography. Uh, yes. T-Pain, your arch nemesis T-Pain.
1: Oh, God.
0: Shout outs to Daniel Bamber. That's our boy. We love you, Daniel. Um, I love Daniel. T-Pain. I don't love Teddy Payne. <laughs> well, first of all, Ed, T Pain caused quite the controversy on social media. He said that Aaliyah's death overhyped her legacy. I just want to make a quick note that that, that bit of that interview was actually from 2015. It just somehow made its way back onto Twitter three years later. But I mean, Ed, this is all yours because you, you wrote about it, too. You know, I'm going to say that T-Pain isn't necessarily all the way wrong in what he was trying to imply, but obviously, you know, with the internet and everything being clickbait, you could have gotten it misconstrued. But what was your whole write-up about?
1: Yeah, and for those who haven't seen it, just roll by com so you can get the full version because, you know, we'll just break it down here for the podcast. Like you mentioned... I don't know why the Internet fights about stuff like that happens and nobody does their research. But when I was writing a piece, I went and actually found the original tweet where this controversy happened, like originated from. And I saw it was freaking 2015. So this is a very old discussion that somehow came back into the public's consciousness. However, if you read the whole interview from T-Pain, it's not as bad as... The kind of pullout quote says and the pull out the kind of in general, what he was trying to say is that Aaliyah has gotten to the point where no one can say if you say anything bad about her, you're going to be flamed and destroyed. And that if you levy any criticism against them, you're an evil Satanist And night now, no one can ever touch her because she's this untouchable thing. So I actually agree with some of that, some of that, because it is true. We've talked about staying culture. We talked about the lambs earlier. They're going to light up my um, mentions again for that. But truth is true. But the point is, a lot of times in this Internet culture, it's weird. We have this place where we feel like we have to defend the artists we love Like just unconditionally. We cannot say that they've ever done anything wrong. Or they ever had any slight. Or they've ever like had any short step. No they're perfect. And everything they do is five stars. And if you don't believe it you're an idiot. And that's how Aaliyah fans have gotten. Because honestly she's not here to defend herself. So they hold her up as a pariah. That's kind of natural. However T-Pain. That piece of garbage to say that anybody is ever overrated. He needs to keep his robo mouth shut because he is not the one to speak on that. Because if you look at Aaliyah's legacy, I don't know if I would call her a legend. That's a stretch. But we cannot pro- we cannot discount her track record. Look at what she's done. She, number one, succeeded at a time where the R&B marketplace was extremely crowded. We're talking mid-90s. A lot of these artists y'all on now... Player, they wouldn't get a blip on the radar if they were around in the mid-90s. Because it was just legendary track after legendary track after legendary track. For you to make your name, you had to be top flight. And she was able to do that with her first album. Second album, as we all know, history making. Because it linked her up for the first time with Timbaland and Missy. Now, we underestimate their influence now because we've had 20 years to kind of get used to the Timberland sound. but player. I was here when one in a million dropped for the first time. I remember everybody's mind being blown by that beat. It was like something from outer space because R and B, that sound of production didn't exist. Like nothing sounded like that. We're used to the bleeps and bloops and crickets and stuff now. But back then that was like, literally inventing a new category of music. She helped change that. So yes, she that alone gives her pass for status of like top shelf. I mean, of course, you know, we got to give credit for Timbaland and Missy too because they helped push that. But that team together was unbeatable. And when you look at how that sound has influenced pretty much all the music you hear now, all this atmospheric and moody and uh, sonically, whatever stupid name you want to put on the R&B noir. All of that kind of just is born from that sound from that one in a million album. So, again, that is something when people ask me, what's a classic? A classic is something that defines a generation and influences the next generation player. That's that album. And then the third album is kind of tricky to even talk about because she passed so soon after it was released. But again, of course, most of its steam came from after she died. Unfortunately, whenever an artist passes, that album kind of pulls a glitter on iTunes and just flies to the top of the charts because fans want to support, and that's part of that. So it's kind of hard to weigh that legacy. But even if you don't count that, and you just count the one the Million album and count where she was headed as far as getting into Hollywood and stuff... That woman's legacy is far cry above most other artists in the game right now and most artists in history. She ain't got the best vocals. She don't have the deepest catalog. She wasn't here as long as we wanted her to be. But she has a legacy that you cannot question. Shut up, T-Pain.
0: But, Ed, I will say one thing, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. So send all your hate messages to at Bowser um because, <laughs> yes um you know we talk about her being in hollywood and this might sound disrespectful but it's the truth because i actually actually watched the movie queen of the damned ed that was a horrible movie i'm just gonna put it out there right movie trash that move was trash terrible. so i will
1: be the first to admit it's trash
0: yeah so and i don't a-
1: i'm
0: I, i'm not sure where this you know this notion that she would have been this huge hollywood star would have came, came uh with, where that came from. It may have happened, but... Man, if if all we have is Queen of the Dam to judge her by... I don't know about that, Ed. I don't know.
1: Well, see, here's the thing, player. That was... One movie where it was... That was... And not only was her performance not good, it was not a good movie. So, it's hard to say that. Um, She was better in Romeo Must Die. Again, she wasn't the best thing in the world. At the end of the day, she was not a great actor. But... I mean, is Keanu Reeves a great actor? He's had decent parts, but people still see him as a megastar. Is T-Pain a good singer? Good God, no. But y'all stay in my mentions talking about how legendary he is. So you can't really (laughs) judge talent by legendary status. She could have been a big star. Maybe she would have got better. Maybe she would have got worse. We can't really say. But the thing is that we can talk about is the trajectory and seeing that she was about to be part of those Matrix m- movies. Now, we know that those last two movies end up being straight garbage. But in the 2000s, that was a really big deal. And her being part of that was going to be a very launching path for her. I think that she would have, and I've said this on record before, and stands are going to be in my mentions for this. I think that if she had continued on her path, unabated. She probably would have been to where Rihanna is now. She would be this crossover pop star who does fashion stuff, is in movies, and can kind of do a lot of things. And I do think that probably by now she probably would have backed off the music thing a little bit like pretty much everybody else of her generation. Because we forget that we kind of lump her into the younger generation. She's a 90s artist. So even though she's young, she'd have been probably 39 or 40 by now. She probably would be slowing down. But I don't think that when people say, oh, there would be no Beyonce. Yes, there would be Beyonce. Chill out. She was no Beyonce. But I think that she would have gotten to a Rihanna status where she's revered for many facets of her career. Acting probably would have still been struggling, but I still think she would have been a force.
0: Speaking of Beyonce... Since we're, uh, since we're calling people out, she did not do a good job in that Austin Powers movie either.
1: Oh, of course not. Beyonce is a horrible <laughs> actress. She bad <laughs> Aaliyah. She's horrible.
0: Yeah. But that's enough slandering. Shoutouts to Beyonce. Shoutouts to Aaliyah. Even shoutouts to T-Pain.
1: No, I ain't shouting out
0: to him. <laughs> um... Can we give a quick shout-out, Ed, before we get into these play of please awards? I know we got this voice, man. I want to dedicate some time to that at the end, but let's get these play of pleases out of the way first, Ed. Let's do it. Well, I want to give a positive uh, award, because not everything is hate around here, so we got to give a quick shout-out to Spectacular from Pretty Ricky, Ed. Why on earth do we have to do that? Ed, he is enrolled in Harvard now. He's a business student at Harvard
1: spectacular is in harvard i had not heard this
0: yeah so big ups to spectacular he had he has his company that's like multi-million dollar
1: worth now and uh he's in harvard so shout outs to spec what kind of company is he got his is some like something like some baby oil, ab rubbing stuff is that what he's selling what is what is he doing
0: no no you know how like you like artists pages on like facebook and then they have all those like uh, clickbait post like you won't believe what so and so said yeah Yeah, he runs that uh that, that thing so like if you click on the link
1: Spectacular makes money really that's actually a pretty brilliant strategy for any kind of entrepreneur this, these days good for yeah, him so I mean he still kind of sucks but good for him
0: <laughs> you won't be watching his underwear dancing videos my God, no. All right. <laughs> uh, Ed, are you ready for the Play of Please Awards then?
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: Um, this is one that I actually wanted to bring up a couple of weeks ago when Usher dropped his uh, A album with uh, Zaytoven. But there were reports allegedly that Usher had a burner account. Now, for those that don't know what a burner account is, um, it's someone that creates a fake account or a secret account to defend you know whoever so there was this mysterious account that kept defending usher for everything that he was doing whether it was the release of the a album to you know his herpy allegations and (laughs) people believe that it was actually usher behind that account there's no confirmation on it ed so we can't give usher the full award, but imagine if it was Usher and he was out there defending himself.
1: Well, last I heard about this mysterious burner account is that it wasn't an Usher and that he had paid somebody to do it. Of course, this is all speculation. We don't know. Tom is the guy who speculates, a.k.a. <laughs> makes up random stuff, but as far as I know, either this is just all BS or there was someone else running it. I just wish someone would make a Burner Soul and Stereo account. So when I get yelled at by the, the Beehive and the Lambs and the uh, Nicki Minaj minions, whatever you call them, someone can be like, nope, you're wrong. Nope, nope, he knows what he's <laughs> talking about. I guess I got to get higher up in the tax bracket for, or I can charge somebody to do that. I can Barry, he's not doing anything. Shout out Barry Bars. I'll get him to be my Burner. <laughs>
0: Well either that
1: or you can hit up spectacular for uh for rates. Oh gosh, no, because it's gonna come with a tube of baby oil. Uh uh-uh. uh. I ain't down with it. boy.
0: Oh. Uh the next player please award, we're gonna give it to uh, uh the, the Queen of R and B Cassie. Uh it was dubbed no. by uh Vogue Italiano, I think it was a couple of years ago.
1: Yes, so, and... I forgot all about that. <laughs> So
0: Ed, as you know, because it was all over the internet, Cassie and Diddy finally broke up for good after 9 or 10 years together. I think maybe even 11. So Ed, I was very excited. I'm like, yep, the queen of R&B is back. Because if you think about it, Cassie (laughs) hasn't released an album since her debut. And I know you're no fan of Cassie, but she has a couple of smooth records. So I was ready for a new Cassie project. She was uh, teasing it on Instagram saying, I'm back in the lab, I'm making music. Well, Ed, bad news. She's back with Diddy.
1: Oh, my gosh. I had not heard this. I thought that Diddy, the last I saw of this, Diddy had dumped Cassie for some other girl that looked like she was a smooth 16 years old. And the Internet was all pissed off about it because they're like, oh, he left Cassie out to dry. Cassie is a grown woman who has an album, who has singles for God knows why y'all are buying them, but for some reason you are. Cassie, I'm sure, has enough to stand on financially. She doesn't need Puffy to hold her hand. That was her boyfriend, not her daddy. And if she doesn't, (laughs) shame on her. So if they're back together, good for them. Anything that keeps her out of the studio and occupied is cool with me. But I will say, since we're on the subject of Puff, we do want to keep the family of Kim Porter in mind who passed... A little bit before recording this podcast, most of my nineties folks know that back in the day, Puffy and Kim Porter were like the Jay and Beyonce of their day. They were the power couple and yep. she is the I think she just had twins. She just had young children, so and she is the mother of Puff's kids. So very sad passing. She was like forty six years old, something like that. So man, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Well, uh, on a,
0: on a, a quick note, Cassie and Diddy are allegedly back together. We're not a gossip site, so we don't really know. Uh, but yeah, Ed Kim Porter received a lot of love on Instagram from a lot of different artists. So, R.I.P. to her. Um, let's get in some some more Play It Please awards. This one comes from you know Jill Scott. Oh yes, Ed. Have you ever given oral sex to, uh, to a mic? Because that's what she was doing.
1: That was um, a problem. <laughs> I, I have not in my lifetime had the opportunity to give the sloppy to a microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not, I have not crossed that off of my list.
0: Um, where does this rank? And, you know, we have the other one. We have R. Kelly. You've seen that video, right? Where the oh god, wiping him down face. Cheek, tongue,
1: everywhere. First of all, let's break this down into two. Because I saw the internet going ballistic about Jill Scott and saying, oh, I can't believe it. Well, obviously, you have never listened to a Jill Scott song in your life. All these R&B fans out here, I question, player, your validity if you think that Jill Scott is some pristine choir robe lady. Them vocals might come out the choir. But that mouth is straight out the hood. And she stays on her nasty. I mean, that's just her. So her doing that to anybody who really knows Jill Scott isn't a shock. So Jill just doing what Jill does. And Twitter just proving that these R&B fans don't really listen to R&B. Same old, same old there. Now, Robert Kelly, the Pied Piper of R&P, Up to his old filthy tricks again. I don't know if y'all seen this video, but he's literally like, wipe me down. And these random hands and women screaming, like just wiping them. Then he's like, and wipe my tongue. And they're wiping. It's it's the grossest thing ever. It doesn't help that it looks like they're in the back of a shed somewhere. I'm not even sure that was a stage. And you don't even see these women's faces. You just see these old lady hands. It is the weirdest thing ever. Why does R. Kelly still exist, is what I'm trying to figure out. Y'all really like them songs that much? I mean, I love You Remind Me of My Jeep. But if a man commands me to wipe his tongue, I'm going to find better things to do with my Saturday afternoon.
0: So, Ed, I'm going to need the names of uh, all the people that were uh, uh, wiping down R. Kelly's tongue. And we need to put them in the Play of Please Hall of Fame, because that, my friend Ed... That
1: is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That is up there with, and when it's it is almost time for the annual Player Please Awards, where we really shout out the 10 worst, that's got to be high on the list because that was the <laughs> grossest, weirdest thing I have seen in 2018. And that says a lot when it's a year with Kanye hugging Trump every five seconds.
0: Yeah, I just feel like cuz obviously we had Casey riding on his bodyguard's uh, shoulders earlier in the year eating <laughs> eating chicken nuggets, but this one might take the cake.
1: I'm sorry, Ed. That's Oh, that's up there and I do not understand these R Kelly apologists. Again, like we I feel like that's been the moral of this podcast. Y'all can like who you like. You can like the songs you don't. But please admit when your fave is a weirdo, a gross molesting creep kelly is a weirdo and if you love i believe i can fly that much and you want to step in the name of love that hard do it but at least be real with yourself the man's disgusting
0: <laughs> yep so ed let's get into this boys to men discography you know you ranked the albums from worst to best you even included the cover albums which i thought was pretty cool um, give me what you got, because let me tell you, Ed, as you know, I like Boys to Men, but I don't love Boys Men like the rest of you guys. I'm still going to go on record to say that their second album is not a five-star album. I know I just pissed off a lot of people, so again, send it to E.T. Bowser. But oh, I want to hear your yes. rankings, because I felt like you were a little generous with these rankings. I'm reading sure you actually did.
1: I'm sure you did, and here's the reason why I even addressed this in the post. I understand why um this current generation is just not on the Men because of several factors. number one the the main lineup broke up quietly. A lot of people don't even know that um the, there's not the quartet anymore. They kind of they haven't been a quartet since like oh two. so the main lineup has fallen out of the spotlight. So there's a whole, there are really like two generations of R&B fans who don't really know of Boys and Men because they really haven't done anything huge since like 01 or 2000. So it's been a long, long time. Number two, their sound, while to me, one of the most influential, when we talk about the 90s being the biggest boom period financially for and commercially for R&B, they were at the top of the charts during that period. They were r and But when it comes to their sound, the sound of Jodeci and the style they influenced, that became the bigger sound as far as lasting power. And you saw a lot more artists who, influenced, who were influenced by Jodeci go on to have big careers. And really, that's because as hip-hop became bigger and bigger in the late 90s and 2000s, that sounds easier to translate than Boys II Men, which was more soul and pop. That didn't have the edge that the 112s and Drew Hills and all those guys had because they were straight out of the Jodeci mold. So it was easy for them to navigate. So it's easier to hear a jagged edge and say, oh, that sounds like Drew Hill. I mean, that sounds like Jodeci. And that way, Jodeci feels more like a pioneer. And then thirdly, of course, in this era where... I can hang out with my um, youth group and they're all doing a new edition dance. And that's because of the MTV movie. I mean, the BT movies, they are in the spotlight. They've had multiple movies. Ain't nobody done a movie on boys and men. So again, although they are one of the most influential groups of all time in 2018, that influence just isn't recognized because they just aren't there. That don't mean them brothers ain't dope though. So we'll run through real quick. What I have for the rankings and then we'll talk about them and you can see the full list, of course, at soulandstereo.com. On the end of the list, of course, their 2014 album Collide. That wasn't the best album, dog, because it was a mishmash of sounds. They were really trying to find themselves and it ain't work out too well. So I think most people, most Boys and Men fans know that that one didn't do too well. Yeah. After that it's just well, Ed,
0: like I, I gotta make a point about Collide I'm pretty yes. sure Mike the bass singer was rolling over when he heard that album because that
1: Ed that was a bad album Pelaya. First of all Mike ain't dead Secondly <laughs> um, yes that album and the thing is it has a couple great songs on it but it just doesn't stand up because it's so all over the place Yep yeah. Looking back at the rest of the list, um, I'm just going to fly through it a little bit. I'm not going to go in too much detail. We've got the cover albums. A lot of people don't know that for the past pretty much decade, these dudes have been pumping out album after album after album of covers. And most of those all fall into kind of the same category. They're okay. You know, the problem with a cover album is that when you hear them, your mind automatically goes back to the original song. So unless you completely surpass the first song it's always going to feel inferior no matter what you do like and there's when it comes to something like ribbon in the sky i mean who's gonna beat stevie i mean actually intro did a really good cover but other than that you're gonna be like man i want to hear the stevie song i don't necessarily want to hear the boys and men version but it's okay and that's the issue with cover albums most of them the 2009 album love Motown, A Journey Through Hitsville, USA, Under the Streetlight, Throwback. A lot of those albums are okay. To me, Throwback was probably the best of the covers, but eh, they're all just fine. And then in 06, they had an album that was exclusively released in Japan, The Remedy. Again, that's another album that was just okay. Then when we start getting to the top five and six, these are the albums that most people remember. I had at number six, Full Circle. That was the last album that had all four of the guys together. Now, I know a lot of fans really love this album. Shout out my man Gustav on the Soul and Serial Cypher. He loves this joint and was pissed off that it was number six. And I didn't give it five stars. But, eh, it's okay. Nothing great. I'm probably with you on this one, Kyle, since you think that everything from them is just okay. It's fine. The 2000 album, Nathan, Michael, Sean, Wanye I really like this one, and this is probably one of the more underrated ones, along with 2011's 20. Those two, to me, are the two boys and men albums that don't get talked about enough, that are very, very good for what they are. And then the top three. Now, these are the three that I think are by far the best. And Kyle didn't care because, you know, there's no Timberland bangers on. But here we are. Number three, Evolution, the 97 album. That's the one with the mama song on it that's played out. I know the mama song is played out, but the overall album is spectacular. Number two, of course, Coolie High Harmony. Another one of those albums that I don't think we talk about enough on the podcast for. We talk a lot about New Jack Swing and how around the early 90s people were just getting sick of it, kind of like we're dealing with Trap right now. That was one of the albums that kind of took the New Jack Swing sound and started doing some different things with it and proved that people were ready for something different. And that's why they stood out, because they used that doo-wop sound and were able to transition it. And I think that's why that one stood so high above the rest. And of course, number one, no question, is the second album to the one that, for whatever reason, Kyle doesn't think is that great. The only argument I feel like you can have against this album is that so many of the songs are so iconic that they're kinda of played out now. At this point, you know, everybody knows the big song. So when you hear it, it's kinda of like, uh, I don't want to hear this song. I've heard it a hundred times at my school talent show. Regardless, it's a great piece of work. May be the best album of the nineties. Wow. And that's all I've got to say about that, Ed. Wow. What would you say? The show, the party, the, the after of the hotel is the best of the 90s? Well, actually, the
0: second half of that album is like six stars. Oh, it's pretty good, but it ain't better than this. Uh, well, let me just say that uh, everyone these days thinks that Jodeci was bigger than Boys to Men. Even though, if you ask my mom, who was like a flat out pop R&B listener who was the bigger artist. She'll tell you right away that Boys to Men was infinitely bigger than Jodeci, but Ed, I'm a revisionist and I'm going to say Jodeci was massive. Way bigger than Boys to Men. Uh,
1: oh my gosh. Well, you at least listen to the people who were alive during that time. Your mom knows. As we've had chronicled before, your mom knows what's up. I don't know why that knowledge wasn't passed to her baby boy, but she knows what's up.
0: Actually, it's kind of interesting. This whole generation thinks that Jodeci was bigger, and you kind of pointed it out earlier, but it is kind of interesting just to see how that all has panned out.
1: I mean, yeah, and it's, and you know, there's the whole thing about history being written by the winners, and the fact of the matter is Jodeci, while we got members of Jodeci riding around on men like camels eating chicken, they're still, their legacy as far as influencing current music is just so much bigger than boys and men's right now, that it's easy to say that they were the bigger group because they're the group that's a little bit more remembered. But I guarantee you, if in twenty nineteen BT decided to have a boys and men miniseries, that by the end of twenty nineteen everybody'd be screaming that they're the greatest thing of all time. We saw the same thing with the what was the thing? The straight out of Compton movie where suddenly all of a sudden everybody was like NWA was the greatest ever. And a year before they were like who is DJ Yo? So, it's... The masses are easily influenced. Mm-hmm. So, Ed, it's
0: time for the soul back track of the day. Um, everyone, if you haven't had a chance, uh, the website Genius did an interview with Mariah. It was like an hour long, and it went through like her writing process, her creative process. I thought that was a very good interview. Almost something that we would have done on the website, but, you know. <laughs> um, so... One thing that Ed that she did mention was her favorite song. Um, period. Mariah Carey. Her favorite song is "The Roof." Uh-huh. So we're gonna make that the sole backtrack
1: of the day. Man, look at that! It's funny that her favorite song is one of my favorite songs, and that is a we talked about in my review how on her song "A No No" that she's able to take a hip hop sample, flip it, and just make it her own. And she—that is the number one song that she flipped when she took that that Mob Deep joint and flipped it. Of all those hip hop influenced samples that she's got, that one is probably the best one. My one of my favorite Mariah songs ever. I'm with mm-hmm. my girl on that. one.
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing because "Shook Ones" is like—that's a song that you like. You're ready to fight people when you listen to that song. Yes,
1: but she turned it into the smoothest thing ever.
0: Yeah, that was uh—that's a legend right there, Ed. So that seems to be it for uh, this week's podcast. What's going on with SoInStereo.com before we get out of here? Man, player, there
1: is so much going on. As um, we talked about in the last podcast, for the month of November, we do what's called Blog Like Crazy. If you've seen any of my posts, you'll see that hashtag, and that's part of a writing initiative that was started by my wife, and she's encouraging bloggers to at least write one post a day. So that means Soul & Stereo has new content up every single day. So it is a ton of new stuff if you haven't checked it out. So we we already mentioned the album review from Mariah. Um, today I posted one from Anderson Pop, his new album. One of the better ones of the year. We've got a review from Action Bronson. Of course, new love letters. Two or three new editions of the love letters. We talked about the T-Pain article with Aaliyah. Go see me rant and rave about that. We also talked about the boys the men rankings, we did that. We saw in the past week this passing of comic legend Stan Lee, so I had an article ranking the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe from top to bottom. I talked about 5 R&B albums you may have missed this year, giving some love to some artists I didn't have time to review, but you need to listen to. I've got a rap version coming out this week and just tons and tons and tons of content, Y'all are working me into the ground, but I'm loving it.
0: <laughs> Sounds like you're busy. And then as far as you know, I got soul. Um, actually, Tom just told me. Uh, so our boy Zeppelin, he's been partnering up with us for this Millennials in Music um, segment. And he actually just got an interview with Tone Stith, who's one of our favorite yes. new R&B artists. Someone to look forward to. So we'll probably get that posted on the site, too. Uh, we just posted our interview with Keith Sweat. And, you know, you got a lot of love for that one. So we got to shout out the fans for showing you all that love. You you really held it down there. I mean, Keith felt, it felt like Keith was like in sleep mode, but you held it down. So I got to give you props for that.
1: <laughs> Appreciate that player. Yeah, um, Keith's my man, but he didn't seem entirely conscious. He pulled it out near the end, but he was in and out of consciousness, it sounded like, for the first half of that. But it's yeah. all good. I keep telling y'all, I do this for real, for real. I'm not one of these internet dudes. So just another day at the office for your boy. But I appreciate all the love I got for that one.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, a quick shout-out before we get out, of he- get out of here to our girl, Lachelle Wallace. We haven't heard from her in a minute. I actually spoke to her yesterday. Yeah. So she What's is she still she's still listening to the podcast. She's still watching the interviews she's just taking a step back because she doesn't want to fight with the fans anymore on on the internets so shout out to you lachelle Ugh.
1: i can't blame her for that shout out to my girl but yes fighting with the fans is tiring but hey somebody's got to sell them straight i'm looking mm. at my mentions now and they're mad again Ugh. the lamely's gonna come for you <laughs> they still coming for me dog mm-hmm. All right, Ed. I think that's
0: it for uh, this week's podcast. We're gonna be we're we're cutting close to December, so you got to get ready for that end year countdown album of the year. You got to go through all of that. So, but so you're gonna have to get ready for that. I'm gonna have to get ready for that. And Tom, hopefully he shows up. But until then, Ed, we are <laughs> out of here.
1: We out. See you later.